Happy Mother's Day. Gorgeous women of God, we love you. Happy Mother's Day to all our women. First, I want to thank our senior pastor for making this possible for me to preach on this pulpit this morning. Thank you, pastor. Thank you so much for being a father to us in this house. We appreciate you. We can't let this day go just into the Mother's Day mode without giving you our love and our thanks. Thank you for being a father of all of us. And to the ladies, happy Mother's Day. (laughs) Amen. Hallelujah. It's a strange Mother's Day this year. Virtual Mother's Day this year. Remote Mother's Day this year. But it's still Mother's Day. And it's still our day to celebrate. And it's still our day to dance. And it's still our day to give God the glory. Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. So for those joining us, you're at home. You're a woman. Maybe you belong to Abundant Life International Church. That's your home church. Hallelujah. You see, COVID can't shut us down. Can't stop us from dancing. Hallelujah. excited. Just in case you haven't noticed. (laughs) Wow, what a day, what a day, what a day. This is the day we honor all women. So we honor all biological mothers, all adoptive mothers, all foster mothers, and all women who have pulled somebody alongside to nurture them. Do you know some women nurture their own siblings? Without that woman, those siblings wouldn't be who they are today. <laughs> I can hear you. <laughs> so we honor all women that you may not have carried a child in your womb, and it could be yet, because if you're still believing God for it, it's just yet. But God honors you. And we want you to know that he loves you and appreciates all that you have been doing. He does not forget. He knows you by name. He knows your address. And when it's blessing time, he knows where to cause it to be dropped. And it's coming your way. Amen. In the name of Jesus. He's still the miracle walker. He's still the promise keeper. Is the light in our darkness. The darkness of COVID, he is the light. It can't be so dark that the light of our Father won't shine through. So this morning, I congratulate all our women. And for those who don't worship regularly at Abundant Life International Church, but you are joining us online, we thank you for joining us. You could be elsewhere, but you are here. Thank you. You've heard us say thank you. I say it again. Thank you for joining us. And this is Abundant Life International Church where Jesus reigns and he is Lord. And if you are looking for the word of God, this is the place to come. Sunday in, Sunday out, 
we are here. And on our website, recorded messages and podcasts, they're all there. And so we like to feed ourselves with the word from this pulpit. Amen. Before I go into the word, I want to take time to recognize my mother. Dr. Mrs. B.C. Oke. She is the one who carried me for nine months. <laughs> I don't know what I did to her when she carried me for nine months, but I know I'm 50 plus years and she's still carrying me. <laughs> she carried me, raised me, nurtured me, and I love you, mom. God bless you. You will not lose your reward. You will see us grow before you and you'll continue to be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. And so we give a shout out to all our mothers, all some of them in their 80s, 90s, our grandmothers, our great-grandmothers. They have done so much. Without them, we will not be here today. And so we appreciate you and God does too. Amen. Amen. You know, when I was praying this morning, the Lord gave me this prophetic word, and I don't want it to to be talked into the the teaching, which is also a form of prophecy, but, but this he said. He said, there are some women, there are some women who are yet believing me for their own biological children. And he said to tell them, I have not forgotten. He said to tell them, I have heard you, and I have seen your tears. And he said... I'm walking on it. And the one that struck me, that made me go check out the script, he said, I will add years to your life so that you will enjoy those children. Amen. Amen. So receive it. Don't give up. Some don't want biological children, but some do. And if you are one of those, that word is for you today. And he reminded me, he said, remember when um, Abraham... And, 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 and Sarah didn't have kids. By the time she finally had kids, God added an extra 40 years to her life. So she actually saw her son grow into a man. And she had the opportunity to nurture and to take care of that son. So much so that when she finally passed on to glory, the, 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 the man, he was not a boy. He was 40 when he, his mother passed, but he didn't know what to do with himself. And that's why his father Abraham said, okay, go find him a wife. Because <laughs> he needs a, a, a woman's love somewhere in his life. But the Lord is saying that I will add years to you. Don't think of your age and don't think, oh, it's getting too late. He's saying to you, don't worry, you will enjoy the kids. You will carry your own child in Jesus' name. Amen. So that's that prophetic word. I was praying and the Lord put that in my heart and, I, and now I have shared it. This morning, I want to talk to us about what I have titled, The Destiny of the Woman. The destiny of the woman. So in Abundant Life International Church, when we do Mother's Day, again, it's not just for married women. It's not just for single women. It's not just for uh, single mothers. It's not just for those with kids. This is our opportunity to celebrate our women. So the word today is directed to women, not just mothers, but to all our women. And I want us to start today reading from Genesis 1. From verse 26, Genesis chapter 1, from verse 26. We'll do it in a New King James Version. 
Thank you, media people, for getting us that version. We've been wanting that for a while. God bless you. And so we'll read it in the New King James. And then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Let's bow our heads and pray for a minute. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, as this word comes forth this morning, we release ourselves. I release myself as a vessel to carry and to distribute your word as you will this morning in Jesus' name. Let my tongue be like the pen of the ready writer and let it inscribe upon the hearts of your women. I pray for every listening ear that our ears will hear the word of God. And our hearts will be a fertile ground to receive that seed of the word. And that word will germinate and bring forth fruits in our lives. And our lives will never remain the same. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. So we've just read in Genesis 1:26 that God at a point in time, the three-in-one God, settled down in heaven. They created the three-in-one God, the three persons in God, God the Father, God the Word at that point in time because Jesus had not come and God the Holy Spirit. They had recreated and refurbished and done the whole earth up and now it was fit for a man. That is, it was fit for a human again. And then he said, let us make man. So this is a new breed of creatures. We had whales, farm animals, snakes, all of them were there. But the three-in-one God, the community of God, came together and said, let us. He wasn't talking to the angels. That us is the three persons in God. He said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them have dominion. Now, when you hear the word man, you're thinking, oh, the male man. And I'm going to talk about that gender right through our short teaching today. Um, he says, let us make man. But in verse 27, so we read that in verse 26. In 27, still in the New King James, it says, so God created man in his own image. So he said, let us, they thought about it. They decided they were going to do it. They said, let's do it. So they did it. The three in one God, he did it. So the Bible says he created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. So, see, God is letting you know that this is not just arbitrary. This, is, this person is supposed to be like him. So in the image of God, he created him male and what? Female. So we have male man and female man. Now, the, the, the steps where he created the male man first and then went, went and took a rib and made a female. Those, that account is in a different section. But this section, God wanted us to know that when he created the male and the female, both were created in his image. Both were supposed to have dominion. Both were supposed to have dominion over every creeping thing, birds and everything. And verse 29, he says... Um, See, I have given you, no, actually 28 says, be fruitful and multiply. Both were supposed to be blessed and be fruitful. So the Bible says in 28, then he blessed them. So he blessed this male creature and he blessed this female creature. 
So when you think about that, that gives you just a good feeling that you are not a second, you know, a, 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 a second like God thought about you. And, and after thought, thank you. I might need some wordsmiths in the house this morning. So get, get yourself ready. <laughs> Amen. Our brothers can jump in when you see me. If I might be struggling for a word, help me out. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. So we are not an afterthought. That woman is not. You're actually a bona fide daughter of the king. So when we're talking of the destiny of woman, we're looking at it from that angle. That God had something in mind when he created you. It wasn't like, let's create man. You know, the the account says he created man, and then he said, hmm, he's alone. Yeah, and then he created woman. That's true. However, from the beginning, he already was going to create woman. The way he was going to create woman was different from the way he created man, but he had that thought right from the beginning, and he did. So you are a legitimate creature of God. It's very important to know that in your own right, in your own self, in just you, whether you're married or not, you're a legitimate child of God. He recognizes you like he recognizes the man. And why I'm talking about this, the destiny of the woman is, I'm reading so many stories. If you have maybe an Android or an iPhone, whichever phone you have, most of those phones have a, a, a news app. And if you are someone who has um, allowed maybe your news app to give you alerts, you just see all these alerts popping up. And, and, and there's one I read yesterday, and it kind of made me sad when I read it. But the whole point of it is the woman continues to be perceived and probably leaves as a second-rate earthly citizen. It, it just, but when you think of how, of how God made us, that's not his, the way he thinks about it. Let's go into the word. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 18. This is in the New Testament. So we read the Old Testament telling you that he created them male and female. And then in 2 Corinthians 6, 18, it says, I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons. And what? Do you see daughters there? He didn't say, you shall be my sons and sons. He said, you shall be my sons and daughters. So I'm elevating the woman this morning just for a reason, not because our men are not important. They're absolutely, but just permit me a little while to dwell on this. So that you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So you are a bona fide daughter of the king. In fact, you are a princess. And you're not just an earthly princess. You know all these earthly princes and princesses? uh, They may not be princes and princesses where God is concerned. Because if you do not belong to the king of glory, God of eternity, when you die, you drop the crown and the jewels and everything. And when you get there, you're not recognized. But we're talking of eternal recognition of royalty. So you are not just a princess. You were a princess from the day you gave your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. He already had that plan for you before you were born. But then the day you said, Lord, I yield myself to you. Be my Lord and my king. Now you're a bona fide princess. 
So, as far as God is concerned, when it comes to who you are, what you are able to do, what your destiny is all about, it has nothing to do with your sex, your gender. It has everything to do with, are you one of mine or not? Amen. Let's read Galatians 3, 26 to 29. Galatians 3, 26 to 29. So, we might read a few scriptures this morning. I like to do it because inherent in the word of God is the power to change us and to change the way we see ourselves and our mind. So, that's why the Bible says that word renews us, renews our thinking. So, even though I could give so many examples, I think I want to stick more with the word so that the, the power in the word can do its work in, in us. Amen. So Galatians 3.26, the New King James Version, for you are all sons of God. And, and watch the play of words in this, in this passage of scripture. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Every time you see sons, especially in the New Testament, I want you to think of the woman included in that. Now, maybe once in a while, it's really gender specific. Not many places in the New Testament. So when you, see, when you hear, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. It tells you how you became that princess. It's because you had faith. In Christ Jesus. But you may say, oh, they're talking of sons. So let's read further. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. This 28 is the key verse. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. This is that scripture that equalizes every human. Wherever you come from, right side of the tracks, wrong side of the tracks. As far as God is concerned, he says that we are all one. So I want you to think of that. First he says sons, then he says, well, male, female are the same. I want us to talk about sonship for a minute. When, when, when you talk about sons, it's a play of words coming right from the Old Testament. So in the Old Testament, the way you inherit. So when, God, when the children of Israel, they were, in, they were in Egypt and they were slaves and things were not going on. One of the things the Lord kept dangling before them was, I'm going to give you your own land. Don't worry, I know you are slaves here helping them build their cities. You are being downtrodden. He said, but don't worry, I'm taking you to a land where it flows with, with milk and honey. He says, you will go into a land where you have houses that you did not build. He's talking, he said, you will you have lands with hills where they're well springing. You know, there in Egypt, they had to go with their buckets to go get water or irrigate the land. He said, no, this land I'm taking you to. God in heaven himself reigns upon it. And he's describing this. At first, they're saying, Lord, don't play with me. Mm -mm. Just leave me in my slavery I, I was born in it. I'm going to die. But he kept saying it, kept saying it until they started to get, you know, this vision of, wow. You know, I can, you mean I can own something? You know, it's like in the United States, you know, when everybody says, what's your dream? A home, a dog, two kids, and a white picket fence. That's the, that's, that's the American dream. When we got to this country, we kept saying, white picket fence. Hmm. 
Where we came from, there were brick fences. <laughs> brick, <laughs> not white picket, but white. And you know, the, the more you hear it, it's like, oh, wow, that can be mine someday. And you see people um, labor and aspire for it. Well, this is what God was saying to them. He said, when, when you get where I'm, go, when I, where I'm taking you, you're going to just move into homes that you didn't build. There'll be beds there, furniture. There'll be vineyards you didn't plant. He's just describing this and they say, ha, huh, really? Okay. And then eventually they received it. And when Moses said, okay, everybody, we're leaving tonight. They all packed everything they needed to pack and they followed him. Of course, they had a few bumps along the road. But then when they got, just as they were going, God gave Moses um, direction as to when they get to this land. This land they had never seen. But he gave them direction as to how they will split up the land. So watch God. You see, to you, you are still in the process. You are thinking, hmm, hmm. Is this really true? Hmm, hmm. God is already telling them. So when you get there, you throw lots like a dice. When this one, this will be for Manasseh. This will be for, um, you know, Judah. This. He's already telling them. And they still have not seen this land. Then he tells them how to keep that land in their family forever. So now the kind of land that he's given them, you can't pass it from. So if it's given to Judah, Judah can't give it to Ephraim. Each tribe, once they are allocated that land, it belongs to them perpetually. And the way they did it, this is how inheritance happens. The firstborn son inherits a double portion of the father's possession. The daughters were only entitled to an inheritance if there were no sons. Watch that now. If there were no sons. So this is where we start to see that gender, that breakup, that divide. Until today in our society, it's still here. So, so you only get to have your own land if you have the XY chromosome. You don't have that Y? So it came to a point in time. So it goes from father to son, from son to the next son, and so on. It came to a particular point where one man died in the wilderness. And they started talking about, okay, what's going to happen? when we? They haven't gotten to the promised land. They were still here. What's going to happen when we get there? The man had five girls. No sons. So here comes this debate. And these girls, were, they were watching watching and nobody was talking about them uh-uh. so because we don't have the y chromosome and because our father died so the father left egypt but somehow for one reason or the other he died he and and when they came and brought the 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 issue to moses they helped moses remember he, he was not one of those people who spoke against the Lord that he died because of the curse. No, he just died natural, by natural causes. So what are you going to do with us? The five of us, we're humans. What's going to happen to us? The name of that man was Zelophehad. <laughs> I'll never forget. He had five girls. 
we won't talk about, go into details there. But this is, so when they came to Moses and said, so because we are not boys, we will not have an inheritance. No, this thing has to, it has to spread around everybody. The Bible records that Moses was confused because Moses knew exactly, Moses was not the one putting out this gender. It was God who told him that the men inherited and the girls did not inherit, you know, like physical land. So he didn't know what to do. He understood their logic and he understood their argument. So instead of he, he didn't have, you know, you don't want to hold a woman that has tied harappa and is ready. And there are five of them. He just said, okay, give me a, a day or two. He goes into God's presence and says, God, I think you have a problem. <laughs> what are we going to do with these girls? Now, if it were the average girl, they will say, I better quickly go find somebody to marry so that I can get something. Till today, that's still in the psyche of women. That your inheritance is tied to your father, to your husband. But this was in the Old Testament when the rules and the laws were still being written, but nobody thought of them. God knows all things, but he did not give that to Moses. My question is, God, you already knew these girls are coming. Why didn't you just tell them what to do? So they came and said, Coco, Coco, Moses, we are still here. Moses said, I'll be back. And God said to Moses, they have said the right thing. Give them their inheritance. Five girls. Five. He said, give them. They deserve it. And that's how there was an amendment to the constitution of Israel. taking us back to the Old Testament. I want, to, I want you to understand the destiny of a woman. If you do not understand this, you will be downtrodden. You will not know, you will not know what our Heavenly Father has for us. Yet we are princesses. So that's how it worked. The firstborn son inherited a double portion of all the father's possession. The daughters were entitled to an inheritance provided there were no sons in the family. And that's, if you want, the scripture is Numbers 27. That's Zelophehad and the whole drama. And when, if, if you think about it, you remember they were still writing the constitution. So they amended the constitution. They added that. When they got into the promised land, Moses had died. Aaron had died. The five girls said, uh-huh, Eliezer. Where is our inheritance? The Bible says, Eliezer, I don't want trouble. This is your inheritance. But the Lord put a clause there. The Lord said, you must marry within your tribe. Because once a girl marries, her inheritance goes with her. And they did, God had said they would have a perpetual inheritance. So if it's a tribe of Manasseh, that land has to remain in Manasseh. So you want a piece of land? No problem. But you cannot go marry outside of your tribe. So that land has to remain. And if for any reason the land is sold, maybe somebody fell into poverty, after seven years, the year of the Sabbath, the land reverts right back to the original tribe. That's inheritance law in the Old Testament. But the Bible says now we have a better 
covenant. So Hebrews 7.22, I love it. The Bible says by so much more, Jesus has become a surety of a better covenant. Better. In those days, the people had to fight. The girls had to fight. Me too, I'm still here. No, Lord, uh-uh. I, and, but the good thing is, they became fierce. I love Zelophehad. There are a few ladies like that in scripture who will not take, this is the law. They will not even take it from God, their father. It's God, why? Because he has X, Y, and I have XS. No, God, we have to, no, no. And the Lord said, you're right. Mm-hmm. Give it to her. Give it to five of them. Change the constitution. Put amendment. First amendment. That was the very first amendment. We must be included in this story. No, it's not women's vibration, pastor. It is women inclusion. Yes! Uh-huh. Come on now. Uh-huh. When he said he made them male and female, what happened to the female when the inheritance started? No, father, we have to re- rethink it. So far, our father, he rethought it and said, give it to them. Many scriptures like that. So, in Hebrews 7.22, we have a better covenant. Look at it in amplified version. Hebrews 7.22. In keeping with the oath's greater strength and force, Jesus has become the guarantee. He is the guarantee of a better and stronger agreement. A more excellent and more advantageous covenant. So, what we are talking about, in those days they had to fight for it. This one we don't fight. It is automatic. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, you have privileges and rights to the inheritance. So what my brother can have, I can have. I am a He's a prince, but we are talking of princesses today. I am a princess. My father owns the whole universe. I don't beg. Mm -mm. Royalty doesn't beg. If there's anyone I'm going to kneel down before, let it be my father. Nobody else. As you have a right, I have a right. Let's go duke it out before God. If Zelophehad's five daughters had not started that movement, where would we be today? Yes, Pastor, I, I, I get it. Thank you, Pastor. But what I'm trying to say here is you have to know who you are in Christ. The privileges. The privileges and the rights. Now, if you don't push for it in the spirit. So that which we just um, talked about now, that one was a physical um, covenant. But now we've moved into a better covenant where it is all spiritual. Pastor, we're still taking one after the other. So, this is a better covenant. Amen? It's a better covenant. So, if you look at Galatians 3.28, which we just read, that says there's neither Jew 
nor Greek. It's not based on race. There's neither male or female. It's not based on sexes. Finis Dake says all races and classes and sexes are one in Christ and equal in rights and privileges regarding gospel benefits. And then the Bible, and then I want you to think of equity. God is an equitable God. Equity means showing or characterized by equity, just, just and fair, just and fair. So it also means resolved, when, when something is resolved, not simply according to the strict letter of the law, but in accordance with principles of substantial justice and the unique facts of the case. So there could even be a law that puts you in the wrong. But when God, our equitable father, looks at it, he's putting so much more into consideration before he determines where does this case end. If you remember John 8, 4, in verse, John chapter 8, verse 4, in the New King James, he said, uh, these people came together and, and, you know, they wanted to trick Jesus. And they said to him, teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. I, I, I say to you, women didn't bring that woman to Jesus. I, I don't think. Mm-mm. So they bring this woman. And they say, now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? Trick question. And the Bible says Jesus stood down. He stooped down, started writing in the dust. And, you know, different preachers have different things they think he was writing. <laughs> in fact, one of our mentors, um, Brother Cav, said he, be- he believes that what Jesus was writing was the name of every harlot all the men there had stepped with. Scribbling in the dust. So, <laughs> so he says in verse 7, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. Then he goes back and starts writing. As they are seeing him write. Verse 9, those who heard it being convicted by their conscience went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up, he saw no one but the woman. He said, woman, where are your accusers? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. He said, go and don't do it again. Don't sin anymore. Now, the law did say she was supposed to be stoned to death. But our equitable father, he pulls it all together and looks at you, looks at me with compassion. I say, okay, yeah, yeah, she did wrong. And then the blood speaks. And the blood says, have mercy. And the father said, okay, let's wash that away. Don't do it again. Equitable. And it's not gender versus gender. It's just that there's an equitable God. 
So if that's the case, why do we approach our father as though he's judgmental, he doesn't care, he, 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 he prefers one to the other? No. He says we're all one. So for you to fully achieve who you are in the Lord, you have to understand how the father sees you. He sees you as precious. He sees you as his own. And he will do anything for you. That's why Jesus came and died. That's why he came and died. That's why you are one of his. So the different states, I want to quickly talk about the different seasons in the life of a woman. Since we're talking of the destiny of a woman. So talk about single women, married women. Women married with children or even single mothers. These are all relationships. First, single woman, well, the relationship is up to you. Whatever you want to um, do is up to you. You don't really have anything holding you down. And Apostle Paul talks about it and says, if you want to serve God, you really have the opportunity to because you don't have all the pools here and there. Then the married woman even without children, of course, your life now is going in a certain direction. That's why Jesus makes, he told us, the, the apostle told us, make sure you marry somebody who believes just like you. You know, don't, don't go and marry someone and hope that somehow they will go with you to church. Uh-uh. So, so there's, that, there's that pool, though, of that relationship of the married woman. And then there's the pool of the relationship of the married woman and children. So you have your husband, and then you have your children. And, and these are all pools. It pulls you in a certain direction. Then there's the pool of the single mother with children. So, so you don't have a spouse, but you still have children. All these relationships. All these relationships. They could be a blessing, or you can let it sink you. One of, it could happen both ways. The way God has it is that they should all be a blessing. Your children, your husband, all that should be a blessing. I have not found it to be so with many women. Even Christian women. Married Christian women. Their marriages not necessarily complete them. Now, they've been struggling. Anything they want to do before they got married is like, I'll do it. The Lord has this for you to do. Do this for the Lord. Do this for the Lord. You know, your heart is pushing you to do this for God. Do this for God. But you keep feeling, you know, just wait. When the Lord does it, when I get married. Well, the thing about the marriage relationship is the way God has designed it. And Apostle Paul told us about it. Not a warning in a negative way. But to help us understand that your attention will be divided. Because... I mean, you now live with somebody, and the way God created it, you should be one. So if you don't deal with that relationship well, you may leave God out of the equation. I've seen that happen to many married women. Suddenly, God is at the... So now the marriage is getting very sweet. You know, husband, wife, now I'm very happy. And God suddenly starts to move, 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 move. And before you know what? They are not really who they were. That's not how they planned it. But if you don't do marriage the way God wants it to be done, God will be. But it's the same with children. The married woman. Ah, don't worry. Maybe they are, she and her husband, they're on fire for the Lord. They're serving God. 
just Lord, just one child, just one child. And then the Lord comes, he gives them the one child. Ah, we will not hear a word again. You know, that's, a, that's an American, a Nigerian expression that we won't hear. That is, now, how do we explain that? This, that everything now is about this child. Even the husband, we don't remember we are married. Is this child. You wake up in the morning, is the child. You go to bed, is the child. It's like, ah, the child did not drop from heaven. The man is still there. You are still married. Now, they've put the man aside. They've put God aside. Is this child. Why did you say, ah, oh, my child? Why did, ah, oh, my child? You didn't come to church. Oh, we have football practice. Oh, no, no. everything, my child. Mm-mm. If it's done well, that child is a blessing. If it's not done well, that child will put you away. So the thing is to make the relationships Walk it in the way God planned. We're talking of the destiny of a woman. The way God intended it to be. So when we think about all these things as we walk along our journey, remember that you are first and foremost God's child. Before you got married, before you got children, before whatever, before all you are today, you are primarily God's child. And if you want to fulfill destiny, you will maintain that relationship with God. Regardless of whether you are single, married, with children or not. You will maintain it because without it, every other thing will fall apart. It will fall apart. The Bible calls marriage a great mystery. The Greek word is mysterion. That is something that is hidden and can only, be, can only be understood by revelation from God. There are many self-help books on marriage, many. But you see, those principles are there. They're true principles, but there is an anointing that makes it work. It's not like, okay, I'm going to start doing this, I'm going to start doing this. Yes, you can, but then after two weeks or four weeks, you revert back to, you know, what you used to do that made the thing sour. That made you go get counsel. So it, it needs to be by the Holy Spirit. I would just encourage every woman, every man, just why don't you talk to God and say, open my eyes, Father. Give me a revelation of what marriage is. So that way we can appropriate it when the Bible says Sub- submit to your husband. You know what he means by that revelation. Not just that you are taught, but, but even inside the light of God helps you get it. And when the Bible says, man, love your wife, cherish her, even you have a revelation. For, and then that way it works. You can now read books and so on, but you are doing it by the spirit, not in the flesh. So our relationship, our relationship, our relationship as married women, let's appropriate it based on the move of the spirit in our lives. So if you do not have a place where you meet with the father, we have a problem. We have a problem. (laughs) Because it's not by power and it's not by might. It is by my spirit. The Bible says something. I read a a few scriptures and I thought, hmm, there's something we're missing as women. You know how pastor keeps telling us God is our source. Okay. Okay. There's something that we miss as women. Many women marry so that they can have a provider. You know, like your husband is now 
your provider. No, the fact that you got married does not change that man to your, God is still your provider. He's still your source. And if you put what should be God's role on the man, you will break the man. He can't, can't, uh -uh. does he have power to heal? And this is where you start to get disappointment, bitterness, real deep bitterness. And then just the sourness about the woman. Because what God really should be doing, you are expecting your husband to do it. No, he can't. He was not given. He's not God. He really is not. And when you put all that on him, I remember the scripture. Um, it was um, Jacob. He got so irritated with his wife, Rachel. If you read Genesis 30 verse 1. And when Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no child, Rachel, watch, watch what the emotions. So this is why women are, you see, a lot of things start to develop within us. Those emotions, those things that should not be. What did Rachel do? She did what with her sister? She did what? Envied. Number one, true, the sister had no business marrying her, her sweetheart. But now the deed is done. It can't be undone. What can we do? Let's move on with life. Okay. And, I mean, push comes to shove. You don't want the man again. Divorce the guy and go back to your father's house. But no, you have insisted on staying. So now, let's leave the story of, well, who did what? Now, Leah is starting to have kids. You can't have kids. You are really mad at Leah. And the thing is, Leah is not the one that is stopping you from having kids. It's just something that is happening within you as a woman, and you can't have the child. But she envies her sister, and she now takes that envy and frustration and pours it upon her husband. See, so men, when you see us behaving, there are many things going on. You don't get it, but just let me tell you. There are many things. The woman comes and just is just spewing this thing at you. There is a lot. What you are hearing is the tip. Is the tip of the iceberg. Deep. Deep. You know how icebergs sink? Iceberg, the, like, just, you see just this little, and the rest is deep. Coming to Jacob and almost slapping the man. And saying, uh-huh, so I can't have a child. It's not Jacob's fault. And at this point in time, Jacob snaps back at her. Because he gets so tired of, give me children or I will die. Give me children or I will die. He just gets so tired of it. So in verse 2, the Bible says, Jacob's anger was kindled. And he says, am I in God's stead? Am I God? Did I withhold the fruit of the womb from you? Why am I being subjected to this harassment? And child of God, woman of God, I put it to you that there are many things that we're putting on our spouses that should not be. What happened to your mouth and prayer? It happens though when you start to make the man God put in your life to be a protection and a covering over you, you make him God. He's not God. He's just as human as you are. 
Now, he has a special grace to be your covering, but his grace, grace, that is, there is an anointing for him to be what he's supposed to be. But he's still not God. So to expect, give me money or if I don't buy the new shoe, what's wrong with your hand? Walk, buy the shoe. And if you can't walk, be patient until the money comes. Just, just don't destroy the house. And that's what happens when you, 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 you put what should be God's role and you make it man. It's the same with your boss. If you don't give me this promotion, no, no. There is a place for the human and there is a place for God. And as a child of God, you have every right to walk into the throne room and have a conversation with your father. The same thing happened to Hannah. She will cry, 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 cry. And the Bible records that Elkanah, her husband, loved her so much. This one was not. No, the Bible says when she will, he will give his other wife something, he will give El, uh, Hannah ten times. I mean, it was love. It was just love. But the frustration within her was being poured out into the home, into the marriage. No. All the bitterness, envy, no. If you have an issue, take it to your heavenly father. He's still hearing and that's why you maintain the relationship. Our earthly parents will leave and we cleave. Our heavenly father, you are are not leaving. You stay with him, you cleave with your spouse, but you stick with your heavenly father. And that brings me to the throne room. You come into his presence. Where is it? Women, we are allowing the world to define us. No, go into your father's presence. He'll tell you who you are. He will tell you you are beautiful. He will tell you your nose was made the exact way it was supposed. You don't need a nose job. And all the other jobs. No, you really don't. So... Because, but you see, you don't get that because the world now has defined what beauty is. And because you barely ever go into his presence, he doesn't have a chance to tell you. They tell you because you're a woman, you can't get this done. But when you get into his presence, he said, who said that to you? Did I not tell you that you can do all things through my son Jesus who infuses inner strength into you? You can't. Yes, you can but everyone defines you. You are too short. You are too tall. You are too... No. Our definition comes from the Father. It comes, though, by going into his presence. Where is your prayer room? That's my question. Where is your prayer room? And when is your prayer time? Most women don't have it. Even Christian ministers don't have it. You just... It's like drive-by. What, what do you call it when you want to go to McDonald's, uh, the window... The, Drive through, not drive by shooting. I meant drive through. You, you go. No, 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 no. We can't be doing this two minutes, shaba, 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 and go. What are we doing? We need to go in there, sit down. The Bible says to come boldly. He didn't say, Come, say, well, Father, it's me again. No, no, no. Come boldly. Take your seat. He's on the throne. Come fellowship with the Father. Talk with him. Come with your notebook. 
So father, what are you saying today? You know how we were told during the offering that there are strategies. When he gives you the strategy before you leave, before you even reach the parking lot to enter your car and go to work, you have forgotten. Because when you went there, you weren't expecting him to say anything. You had done five minutes. Russia, Thank you, Father. Bless me today. You're out. What are you doing? What has he got to say? And when he said it, did you write it down? So that you can do it? This is how we define who we are and what we are capable of doing. Get a good Bible. Many women don't have good Bibles. If I ask you now, where's Habakkuk? Hmm. Micah, ah, no, 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 don't touch Micah. Malachi, you know, because we talk about that one every, every Sunday. Hebrews, First John, Nahum, Ezra. Song, okay, songs of Solomon. <laughs> How come we don't know how our father speaks? When he speaks, how come we don't recognize his voice? We don't recognize his voice because we barely hear his voice. Even for those of us who are more committed, we do that coming to church. Coming to church is great because there are so many other things that goes with coming to church. But that does not replace your time with him. To fulfill destiny... You have to fellowship with the Father. He already has the door open. He says, come boldly. Come boldly. Come boldly. Let him tell you who you are. Let him describe to you what you are capable of. Let him let you know that you are not just another number. And let him tell you what he has in stock for you. So this is my message to all this morning. That you have privileges and rights just like your Christian brother. It's not because uh, he's a man that is getting it done. It's because he knows his rights. It's not the male on uh, the, the fact that he's called male that he's getting ahead in life. It's simply because he knows to talk to the father and knows how to do what the father says. You have the same rights. The Bible says joint heirs with Christ. What Jesus has access to, we do. But we have to go into his presence. Let him define us. And insist on what he has given you. You don't need to insist with God. He already wants to give you. But you have to insist like the Zelophehad girls did. Insist and say, no, God says, blessing is mine, peace is mine, joy is mine. And insist on it until you see it. And don't put your hope in man. And I'm not saying man as your husband. I say, don't put your hope in in things that are natural, that are human, that are touchable, that are material. Keep your eyes focused on him. So this morning, as I, as, as I finish this, I, I say to you, let's reactivate our throne room visits. How about that? Let's reactivate our throne room visits. Hmm? Let's create, let's give a little bit more time. 
And this is a good time where many people are maybe walking from home or whatever. You know, just rearrange your schedule now. Don't be too busy. Don't be too busy because then you are cutting short all the things God wants to do in your life. Let's stand to our feet for those of us who are here this morning. The destiny of the woman. The destiny of the woman is based on our relationship with God. And I am trusting God that you will reactivate that. That you will embrace him. Fellowship with him. Let's pray. And for those joining us at home, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful because you called us your own. Called all these women your own. You said there is no male, female, Greek, Jew, slave, free. If we have faith in Christ Jesus, we are all one and the blessings of Abraham belongs. That blessing belongs to all of us. And Father, we want to tap into it today. So we recommit ourselves in the name of Jesus. I want to give you one minute to recommit yourself. I don't know how your, your time of devotion is. I don't know how that works. But recommit yourself. Tell him, I, I will spend time with you. I will walk with you. Father, I will come and sit and talk to you. I'll let you love me and I'll love you right back. I want to feel your arms around me. I want to hear your voice. I want you to talk to me. I renew my time with you. I reactivate my time with you. I thank you today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.